You're listening to My Rapids Real Estate Show on WFHR, that's AM 1320, and now 97.5 FM. We're bringing you real estate news for Wisconsin Rapids, Nakusa, and all of central Wisconsin. So welcome back. I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie Nikolai. And we are with Coldwell Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. That is correct. And very exciting because WFHR, not just AM 1320, but also now full power on FM 97.5. That is right. And it's going to be really great for the nice spring season that's right around the corner. I'm still hoping for no snow by St. Patty's Day so that we can have our, our beverages in our green, green grass. That'd be nice. Yes. There's always a hope. So beverages, grass, St. Patrick's Day, springtime, all those things are made better with pets. Very true. And the one thing be, that we need to get in before the wonderful green grass comes back is the snow sculpture event that the Southwood County Humane Society puts on, correct? Well, who better than to tell us about what the Humane Society is doing than someone from the Humane Society? So in front of the microphones, we have Madison. Yeah, well, my name welcome. is Thank you. My name is Madison Rafter. I'm the executive director at the Southwood County Humane Society. We have coming up our Super Snow Sculpture Spectacular. That is an event we've run in the past, but due to COVID, we did not have one last year, so we're excited mm-hmm. to bring it back again this year. And where is this going to be located held again? It'll be held again at the Ridges Facility Golf Course and Banquet. Um, okay. so at 2311 Griffith Avenue in Wisconsin Rapids. Excellent. And are you doing the uh, soup we are doing the soup. So we okay. have multiple different businesses from in Wisconsin Rapids that are donating soup from their restaurants. Then they will be having those there. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Now, are these like homemade soups or we're not too sure? Not too sure. I believe they're soups that they actually sell at their restaurants. So okay. they will be at our event. So. Excellent. So what is the cost of, of the soup? So uh, those I am not 100% sure on. Um, we will have the prices at the event, but we will actually have soup to go this year, which will be an exciting event. So people who don't want to necessarily stop by for a very long time can take mm-hmm. their soup to go. Excellent. Always, like always comes back to food, doesn't it? I know. I know. I always find out, you know, what kind of food you're going to have at these events and just kind of stay on that for a little bit because <laughs> that's the most important part is the food. Yes, yes it is. So who are we going to be having with the donation for the soup? Do you know which restaurants are going to be having this? Um, I do not have a list with me, but I do know that we will have, there's a whole list of restaurants that will have it. And okay. They will be bringing soups. There's a couple chilies, I believe, that are going to be there as well. So Okay. But the website would have that yes. information. And what is your website? SWCHS.com. Excellent. Southwood County Humane Society. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So with. Let's get into the snow sculpture part. So how does the snow sculpture event go? So what we do is it runs from nine until two. Um, The teams can register. You can have as many team people if you want on a team and it's $20 to register. You can call the shelter to register a team. Otherwise you can fill out a piece of paper that is on our website for that form. Um, It is free for anybody else to just come and hang out. There will be live music at the event as well. Um, But the soup has cost and then the admission for the snow sculpting. Excellent. So in past years, I know that this is your first year, Yep. but in past years, what kind of snow sculptures are we going to be seeing? Um, there's people that have done dogs before. It's been team player, like team sports in past, um, different like animals and such that I have seen from old pictures. So okay. we're excited to see how this goes. So does, does it have to be animal related? It does not have to be animal related. No. Okay. Because yeah. I remember, again, years past it like giant tea kettles or, mm-hmm. you know, characters and things like that. Um, yeah. Items from around town kind of emulated then in snow. Like we had a big clock tower. I think someone did a clock tower a couple I years think ago. So too. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it does not need to be animal related. We will have three judges and there is a cast pride for the first, second and third place. Um, so yeah. Excellent. 
Now, is do you have to be a professional snow sculptor? Not at all. Not Are at we going to have a professional snow sculptor? We do have a gentleman that lives in Stevens Point that he, Jeff. Jeff, he does do his own snow sculpting. He will actually be showing up the day before we set up and he will be making his own masterpiece to have at our event. Excellent. I know that he always does a really nice job. Of he does. Doing some very creative snow sculptures. So that'll be kind of fun to see. Yeah, we're very excited to have him. And he reached out to us about the event. So that's even better. Nice. Nice. Okay. Um, so it's going to be on February 26th? Yes, February 26th. From 9 until 2. Yes. Over at the Ridges. After the event, how long does the snow sculptures stay in the parking lot? I believe they will stay there until the snow melts and then we remove the forms. Okay. So what do you mean by form? There are uh, wooden platforms that we will put snow on top of that people then can sculpt their sculptures. So they will stay up until they're ready to be removed. Okay. So if there's like no snow available, what happens then? Is this a rain or shine or snow or no snow? Snow or no snow. Yep. Okay. So we're not making snow to bring in? Nope. Okay. We don't need to bring like a truckload of snow? Nope. We've got all of that handled. So there will be snow there for people to make snow sculptures. Excellent. So other things that, that kind of happen at the Humane Society. Yes. So we kind of talked a little bit earlier, so we're going to try to re-dive re back into our previous conversation. But the let's start talk about the puppy room, okay. the dog room. Yeah. So they're all puppies to me. I don't care if they're like 40 <laughs> years old. I mean, they're puppies. They're they cute. Any age. <laughs> right. So how is, our, your, how is the puppy room looking? So we are very packed right now. Um, we do actually have a Texas transfer coming tomorrow. Um, so we will be making them available relatively soon. But we are still staying appointment only just because we do have a lot of kiddos in there that get very stressed in their kennels. Um, but we're very excited to be getting some more puppies in. All right. So with Texas, it always seems like every single time we talk about the Humane Society or we see on the Facebook page, there's always talk about Texas. So do we always get dogs from Texas or can we get them from other places? So we can get them from other states. Um, the issue, at least in the southern states, is there is an over pet population down there um, where Wisconsin, we have a feral cat population. Uh, down south, they have an assort of feral dog population. So a lot of people don't understand the importance of spaying and neutering down there. So a lot of your shelters down there are going to be completely packed with space. They have pop-up kennels. Every kennel that they possibly can fill is going to be filled. And sadly, with some of those humane societies down there, they are in a or kill shelters because when an animal comes in, they have a deadline in a sort because they need to make room for more animals that come in. Okay. So a lot of your down south transfers in a sort are coming from Texas, Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee to pull those dogs up here because we do not have a stray dog population. Okay. And the humane thing to do is to not kill them in the first place. So if we yes. can transfer them and mm -hmm. give them homes up here, hey, great for them too. Now, do we... I'm sure you track all the dogs that come from Texas. How do those dogs fare in Wisconsin weather? Um, so there are a couple that, of course, they're not very used to the weather. They're, it's a little cold, so it's definitely an adaptable change um, that they have to make that. But overall, at least from past adaptions that I have seen, they usually tend to do really well after two winters. So Okay. Excellent. We, we, we see a couple of friends now and then who adopt a pet here and there. And like um, one just adopted a husky, I believe. And this was like the first winter. And oh my gosh, just the, the posts that they were making about how much fun this dog was having in the snow and first snow and oh my goodness. Well, huskies love the cold weather. It, it would probably be like the one, one of the few dogs that you could leave outside in cold weather because they love it. They really do enjoy it. And kind of being that inside outside dog kind of is almost like a little, it hurts them a little bit because- they want to be outside in that cold to get their fluffy fur fluffier. Mm -hmm. And when you constantly bring them in and out of the house, they don't have, they don't get that layer of fluff. And huskies are notoriously goofballs anyway. And uh, again, you know, we were talking earlier about the working dogs and huskies are another working dog breed. And so they're high energy. They like to be outside and doing stuff. I mean, when it gets down to like negative 40, we think maybe they should come in. But, you know, until then, they're built for outside, right? Oh, yes. The Huskies and Sword are very, they want to be outside. They want to be in the cold. They enjoy it. And I know a couple friends that have Huskies that they will not come inside when it's in the middle of a blizzard. They decide that they want to stay outside because that's what they like. So Yeah, and it's kind of weird kind of watching these dogs because they'll post videos of their dog refusing to come in. And it's cold. It's snowing. 
And these dogs are just happy as a little tiny clam just running around and playing in the snow. It's like, okay, you're happy. You're good. You're safe. We'll leave you be. When we were talking about German Shepherds as well, you know, the, those working dogs and it's um, kind of off-putting or, or such for them to be in a kennel, like mm-hmm. you said? We do have a lot of German Shepherds that have been coming in lately, um, whether it's been strays or surrenders. I believe we've had 27 of them since September. Um, and a lot of German Shepherds just don't do well in a shelter environment. Um, they ha- usually have a thing called barrier reactivity, which is where there is some sort of barrier in the way of them getting to what they want to. So they're going to appear in their kennel very frustrated, but a lot of people take that off as aggression or reactivity or they're just they're trying to me, but in reality, they just have very poor kennel presentation. They don't like to be cooped up. They like to run. They're working dogs. Okay, so a, a couple questions about the Humane Society and the process. Um, if someone wants to get rid of their pet or surrender their pet, what's the process that they could expect? So we usually ask that they call the shelter to set up an appointment. We take down all of the behavior notes and medical notes. So if there's a specific reason for behavior, why they're wanting to rehome, medical or any reason in sort, we just call to get all the details that we need so that we can better support those animals. Once the animal is set up and we have them scheduled for an appointment, they would bring in, pay the surrender fee, and then surrender over the animal into our care. Okay. Is that expensive? It's only $35, um, so not very expensive at all. Um, but again, it's something that if somebody cannot pay it, then we do also look at alter, alter, alternatives. Alternatives. There you go. <laughs> Which is awesome. Um, if someone is looking for a pet, what's an experience, say, if they're looking for a cat? Yeah. So we do ask that they fill out applications online just so that we have all their information ready to go and then we can process those applications to make sure they're approved. Then we have you call to set up an appointment and then we meet at meet with the animals and figure out what's going to be a best fit for your home. Is there a cost to getting the animal? Yeah. So our cat adoptions, um, any cat over the age of one year is $100. Kittens are 125 if they are under one year. And then dogs are 200 over the age of one. Puppies are 300. And then senior dogs over the age of eight are 150. Okay. That's not too We're bad. Cute little fur balls. Right. And we, we've heard um, people going to breeders and spending 1500 and $2,000, $3,000 for a specific breed of dog. Yep. So. And all of our animals luckily come up to date on vaccines, already spayed and neutered, and microchipped. So is there a particular breed of dog that you see a lot coming into the shelters? Probably the German Shepherds lately has been the biggest one. Um, but overall, there's it, depend, it depends. Everybody's got a season. Sometimes it's German Shepherds. Sometimes it's Huskies. Sometimes it's Pits. It kind of depends. Okay. What about um, Great Danes? Do you get a lot of those? We do not. Uh, okay. That is one. I believe there's only been one that has come into the shelter, and it was not in my time while I was here. Okay. They're a bunch of fun. They well, they also are big kids. Right. I mean, those are some <laughs> big dogs. I mean, is there like a limit of if you get like a big dog like that or a Great Dane, is that where you just kind of call a home? Because you have volunteers that take some of these animals to their houses and they're with family, so that way they're not in a shelter? Yeah, so we have a foster program going on. Um, we really only use our foster program if for medical or behavior reasons at this point, um, and just due to the fact that we are managing our space and our time on where we need. Obviously, if we get a very big neglect case in or a hoarding case, then we do reach out to our fosters to be like, hey, we need some help with some spacing issues. Are you available to a foster at this time? Um, but usually, if we were to get a great data, and we do have a couple of our kennels that are on the bigger side, and we also use our playroom that we have currently for some of those bigger dogs as well so they have more space to at least move around Mm -hmm. so what kind of spaces could we interact with at the uh at the shelter at the society so we have our playroom um we are a little limited on space at this time we are in the process of working on building renovations so we are in the process of bringing in contractors to start drawing up plans for the shelter because i know that's been a very long process that we've been looking at for a couple of years so we are in the process of actually building up those plans currently and we will at one point have a big classroom for that so but at least for the spacing we have currently is our playroom and then we do have our outside kennels during the warmer months that we can actually take the dogs out to run outside do you still have the dog walking program 
Um, we do. Um, we did kind of change it up a little bit. We do have to have all volunteers go through a um, volunteer orientation just because we now have new leashes where they are able to be leashed up where it's two points of attachment. So it's a harness that goes around their waist as well as clipped to their collar so that there's two points of attachment at all times for safety reasons. Mm -hmm. So we go through an orientation with those volunteers, show them which dogs they can walk, which they can't walk, and then how to properly leash up the dogs so that they're able to do that. Excellent. Um, on the cat side, so areas for to interact with the cats? Yes, we have a giant playroom um, for all of our cats to kind of hang out in, and you're able to take a cat in to hang out with them, meet them before adoption and all of that. So there's a beautiful, gorgeous cat trees in there, and the cats can run around and play throughout the playroom. Excellent. Do you see a lot of unique breeds of cats that come in? Um, no, not really. Because I know for a while, like the Bengal cats have been like a little bit on the popular side. Yeah. And then again, the Siamese, I mean. We see a little bit more Siamese, I think more this year than we have in past years. Um, and then of course, a couple Maine Coon mixes, but that's usually pretty much the most that we get for bizarre cats in a sort. Otherwise, your standard, you got your brown ones, your yellow ones, your black ones. Domestic short hair, domestic medium hair, domestic long hair. <laughs> um, you've been talking a lot, mentioning volunteers. So if uh, the, the Humane Society is a nonprofit, and obviously your, your expenses or your, excuse me, your incomes from these different things, they're not really that lucrative, I should say. And you run a lot of volunteers. So what are some volunteer opportunities that someone is looking to, you know, help you out with? Yeah, so our volunteer opportunities, we have a couple different options. Um, our application is actually on our website with everything as well. We do allow dog walking. We do dog socialization. There's cat socialization. Um, we have a transport opportunity. So when we need animals transported to either another humane society or if we're pulling from up, say, from Texas and we need somebody to meet them at the border for to transport these animals to our shelter, we have fundraising opportunities. So we're always looking for volunteers to help out with our fundraising opportunities like our super snow sculpture spectacular um or our 5k9 walk that is coming up in june as well so we're gonna hit up on that one too just in a little bit we're gonna get a, a nice little overview because we've got a lot of things going on with you guys and it is so much fun um we always enjoyed taking the the dogs out for a walk when the kids were just a little bit younger just to get them used to being around a dog <laughs> so the 5k run walk i know that that's always been a really popular um event for, especially for us here in the office, we always make sure that we we do a water station for for the puppers. And you even had a couple cats. We did have a couple cats last you year. You did have a couple cats last year. Y'all had was... a lot of cats. <laughs> we did. There were a couple of them. They were all in strollers, and they had a blast and a half being at the event. So, how does that kind of all work out? I mean, were they upset that they were near a dog, or just the fact that they were in their little? little stroller that they were pretty cool about it they were pretty cool about it i mean the cats that did come around were actually used to dogs so they either lived with dogs or they had been around dogs so they really were not that phased by it and them being in their strollers they were pretty content excellent i'm pretty sure the people who have the strollers to walk their cats that way the cats are now used to this it's not just the oh we're going to do this thing once just for this 5k walk they they do it many times and the kitties are probably used to it yeah, we have at least some alumni that were adopted from us, um, a bonded pair of cats, and they came from us, and they come up every year for a 5K9 walk, and they're very adjusted to their shoulder, or their stroller, and they've got harnesses, so they walk around with their harnesses, and they're very, very social cats, so they like to be out and about and just going. Excellent. All right, so the 5K run walk, that is going to be held over at Lake Wazicha. Yes, it'll be held at Lake Wazicha again this year. Um, and we are planning on partnering again with the Bluegrass Festival as well. So and I believe it's June 15th. Yes. Don't quote me on it, but I think it is. The weekend of that. Yeah, it's something like that. I have it written down. Yep, I do. But yep. It, it's sometime in June. <laughs> yep. And yeah, so we're very excited to be doing it. What time does start? Usually, I believe if I remember correctly, it'll be 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning is when we start that. Okay. And it's all the way around the lake. Yes. Of course, it's June, so it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a beautiful day the, out the, at the, the lake. The weather is going to be fantastic. We're predicting this well ahead. Yes. <laughs> we do it rain or shine, so always show up for it. Is there any special treats that the, the dogs get? 
Um, or, or the cats. I mean, we should be able to put the cats in that category, seeing how we did have a couple cats show up for this. Yeah. I mean, is there cat treats, dog treats? Um, we do have those av- available. We also have water bowls all over the trail as well for these animals as well. And then when you do register for that, you get a T-shirt and usually a big goodie bag along with it as well. So there are goodies of treats in there for dogs and cats. Excellent. And if someone, if you're listening in your uh, business that would like to put something in the goodie bag, how does that all happen? All you would have to do is either reach out to one of our board members or you can reach me at the shelter. Excellent. And that kind of leads into another question about sustainability at the shelter and, and getting donations as far as physical stuff. Do you take things? Yeah, we have a whole supply list that is on our website um, and we accept donations at any time so they can be dropped off whenever, even if it's not during business hours. If they want to ring the doorbell, somebody can come grab those. Otherwise, they can just be left at the front door. Okay. And there's someone at the shelter 24 hours a day or nope. do the animals, they have their quiet time? We They have their quiet time. So we are at the shelter usually between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. is usually when staff are in the buildings. Um, and then we have our business hours for when the front office staff are in the building to answer any questions or phone calls. Okay. Do you have cameras in the kennels to keep an eye on the kittens and the dogs? We do. Yep. Okay. So, so they're always being monitored. <laughs> Which is good. I, my, my head just went to all of the like Pixar movies and stuff. You know, and <laughs> right. what, what, do, the, what the do the animals do, do when the humans are away? Mm-hmm. They're usually very quiet. Uh, usually about mm, 11 o'clock is when they quiet down. I can kind of <laughs> see like some sort of escape artist that, you know, decides to get out and just like meanders throughout the whole entire kennel. It happens a couple of times. We do wake up the next morning. We'll get there and we're like, oh, there's a cat missing. Where did the cat go? So it's a scavenger hunt at that point. But we usually are pretty good about checking the kennel doors before we leave. So. Well, and always talking about the shelter and animals are very popular. And one of the reasons why we wanted you on this year was Betty White. Mm-hmm. Did you have a good response? We did. Um, our Betty White donation, um, that was a challenge. We're not exactly sure who it was started by, but there were a lot of other humane societies that did partner in that for Betty White's birthday. And they turned it into a challenge to be able to don't money, donate money towards Betty White, in honor of her, to your local Humane Society. I believe our end total was about $4,000, and it was still growing by even the week after. So, Wow. That's really good. Yeah. There were a couple of Humane Societies, the bigger organizations, that brought in close to $60,000, if not more. So it oh, was wow. a very, very good turnout for a lot of the Humane Societies, as well as rescue organizations. Excellent. So with those those funds, is it... I mean, I don't know too much about the Betty White Challenge. We saw it on, on Facebook and we're like, okay, this would be kind of cool to do. Um, I think of like the Red Cross, you know, where they have like a, a huge donation or a, or a big challenge like that. It's always earmarked for certain events. So, you know, whether or not it's the Katrina or it's the blood drive or that sort of thing. Is this now money that's just going to kind of put into the fund to help with? the spay and neutering and animal bills and stuff like that or yeah so it goes towards back towards the medical funds for the animals as well as making sure that they're healthy so up to date either on vaccines if i have a dog that comes in with upper respiratory infection that needs medication for that if i have a very sickly cat that comes in that's a stray we make sure that we are making sure they're getting healthy so the money ends up going towards the general funds for making sure all of our animals are up to date and healthy and ready for adoption all right one thing that just just kind of popped in my head too is the chip identification. So you guys usually run like a chip clinic. Yes. So how does a chip clinic work and can we chip, what can we chip? So you can microchip rabbits, you can microchip dogs, you can microchip cats. Um, I believe we don't do anything with reptiles or guinea pigs or anything like that. Um, But dogs, cats, and rabbits, we do microchips for. We have our vaccine clinic that we do in the fall. We don't have a date set yet this year, but we do microchips at that event. But we also do microchips all year round. So all you would have to do is call to schedule an appointment for a microchip. They're $25. We do all the paperwork for you and register it right then and there. All right. And then if no, we no, no we oh. cannot do humans. No, no humans. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a running joke. Just in case Carrie gets lost or wanders off, all the medical More history. Of you know, falling of getting lost. Um, but with the chips is okay. So after I get little, I get foxers all all chipped and everything like that. But then we move. Is there like a website that I can go and I can do a change of address so that way if she does get out and she is found and she. Because she has a chip, it's going to read that you know she used to live in Nakusa, but now we moved to Rapids. Is there 
you know, how easy it is to change our pet's address. Yeah. So you could actually call the Humane Society and we can update that information for you. Otherwise, when you do register for your microchip, you get a whole packet of information with the 24 Pet Watch, which is what we use. So you can pretty much either contact them to change the microchip information or you can contact the shelter to do so. Is there an app that's now that you get with your microchip so that way you can actually track the animal? So that is something that's completely different. Um, there are like tracker collars and stuff that you're able to use, but microchips in a sort don't track your animal. All okay. it does is just pretty much put an identification tag on your animal of we scan it when it comes into a vet clinic, a police department, or a humane society. So we scan any stray animals and then we take that number, plug it in the system, and then contact the microchip company to get that information. So it's a little bit of a process, but it's not a full, you can pull it up like you're going to Google Maps to find where you're going. Okay. It's a little bit like you have the credit card with the little, little uh, microchip. microchip looking thing on it. And it doesn't do anything. There's no batteries or anything. It's not active until you actually like energize it. So it near field, you know, like um, when you put your cell phone on one of those little pads and it mm -hmm. magically charges, it's kind of that same thought process. And then the information pops up. Yep. And it's, they're very small. They're very easy to input as well. They're about the size of a rice grain. So they're very tiny and you won't even really know they're there. Mm -hmm. The, um, uh, now thinking about people moving into our area, you know, we're, we're doing real estate. So think of real estate side of things. Um, if people are not sure of where to go for their pet, you know, like clinics and things like that, can they call a humane society and get information um, local resources and things like that. Yeah. Um, anyone who has questions about really anything, we do answer questions and direct you to the right place. So like for wildlife, for instance, as the Humane Society, we do not handle any wildlife, but we do have resources for contacts on who you can reach out to, to kind of help with those situations as well. So if I have a raccoon in my garage, it's not you guys. No, not us. Sadly. <laughs> I would like a pet raccoon, but no, I don't want to come get your rabid raccoon. <laughs> um, so the Humane Society here in the Wood County area has been around quite a while, hasn't it? Yes, we have. Um, so we actually have been at our location for about 10 years now. So we moved from off of by the... Off I believe of Pepper. The, off of Pepper is where we used to be. So we've actually been at this facility for about 10 years. So. Wow. Now, how, now you personally, how did you get involved first with the uh, Humane Society. And, and I'm kind of thinking along the lines of um, if someone is looking to get in to this line of work, what's a pathway that they can use as well? Yeah. So I actually got into the Humane Society. I was at Green Bay um, going to college up there and I had applied to work at their local Humane Society, which was the Bay Area Humane Society. Um, I was working for that organization for about four or five months and then they were actually bought out by Wisconsin Humane Society. So Wisconsin Humane Society is now the biggest shelter organization in Wisconsin. So they have Milwaukee, Ozaki, Green Bay, Door County, and Racine campus. And I was with them for about three and a half years working for them. I had moved up to point about two years ago and was looking to go back to school and then this job opportunity had popped up and I fell in love with it so and I've been here since but I would recommend anyone looking to get into working in the Humane Society is to start by volunteering volunteering is the easiest way to start learning at least a little bits and parts of the shelter and how it operates um, and then kind of going from there if someone's thinking about a career with animals going to uh, a four-year school and getting that background is a good idea? Oh, yeah. It's always an extra help for you because um, a lot of humane societies or jobs do like when they see schools on your resume. So, Cool. Now, here in Wisconsin Rapids area, uh, the question we like to ask our guests is what's the biggest thing that you're looking for is or looking forward to as far as like events or activities going on in the area? Um, I'm really excited for just being able to get a little bit more part of our community. I absolutely love the Rapids area, so I'm very excited to be a part of the community, starting to be doing events, starting to know people around in the area, which I'm very excited for. We did our dog days last year at the Aquatic Center, which was a super fantastic, fun event. All the dogs came out on the last day before they closed the pool and got to romp around. It was a very fun thing to see with the community to be able to bring their pets out and enjoy the fun day. Our 5K9 walk last year was a very fun opportunity, mm -hmm. seeing everybody come out, hang out, bring their pets along, as well as the Bluegrass Festival. So I like the area, and I'm very excited to continue to be a part of the community. And with the canine walk, we are going to be having raffle baskets as well. Yes, so, as well as our soup and still sculpture, too. Yeah, so definitely a lot of great things are happening. Yes, we love it. Mm -hmm. Are there other things that we haven't really talked about that the 
Humane Society does? or um, We're starting to look for more fundraising opportunities and ideas um, just to kind of with COVID guidelines and everything, trying to make sure we're staying safe. But we're looking for more fundraising opportunities and we're always looking for volunteers to kind of come help out. Excellent. So the Super Snow Sculpture Spectacular is going to be Saturday, February 26th over at the Ridges from 9 until 2 and live music. And some really good soup. Yes. And so, then we'll also have fun family activities for kids as well. And it's super important. If you want to, you can bring your pupper out you can. or your cat. Yep. Um, you're more than welcome to bring them out. The only thing is they ask that the animals are not inside the building at the ridges. So if okay. you want to bring them out, if they want to romp around in the snow, they're more than welcome to. But the ridges does ask that they are not in the building. All right. Excellent. That's good to know. Hopefully on, on a leash would be a good idea. Yes, too. a leash would be a good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all I got for you. Thank you for coming out. Thanks for having me. All right. That was certainly fun having Madison on. Yes, it was. Um, it's going to be a great year for the Southwood County Humane Society. They do a lot of really great work with animals in the area. Oh, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we can't get raccoons. Like she said, we can't get raccoons or possums from the Humane Society. They don't deal with wildlife. No. It's tragic. So no ducks. We didn't ask about fowl. We can always ask her at the snow sculpture <laughs> rent to whether or not they will take, if we can get ducks and chickens. Or will they take ducks and chickens? Or, you know, we could see people with their pet ducks waddling around, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. on, duck on leash. Of course, and this goes into the uh, back to food and, you know, Chef Kerry thinking of what can you do with duck? You can do a lot of things with duck. You can duck. do a lot of things with duck. So let's digress into something less edible. Okay. <laughs> That's no fun. So, yes, I mean, you know, get a chance if you on that weekend to head on over to the Ridges Golf Course that's off of Griffith Griffith Avenue Mm -hmm. and stop in for a few minutes, grab some soup to go if you can't stay. Uh, I know that the soup in the years past has always been very, very yummy. So if you want to have a yummy treat, definitely go check them out. Then I always enjoyed driving by and checking out the snow sculptures afterwards anyway. Right. And that's always, you know, fun too, to go check those out afterwards. And it's going to be really great that Jeff is going to be there to do a snow sculpture as well. He has always done a very beautiful job with snow in his front yard. Now, with what they do is if there's not like a ton of snow just, you know, in the parking lot as it is, they may bring in snow. Um, like she says, they'll, they'll have the platforms. That are, and they'll create almost like a crate of a form, pack the snow in there and um, doing it in layers of density, kind of like building a concrete okay. form. Okay. Taking off the four walls, then you have this block of snow and everyone's block is fairly identical. Okay. You know, so it kind of keeps the, uh, the, the challenge even, you know, so everyone starts with the same amount of snow. I would probably just make like a Rubik's cube. But that's, that's not very creative. But it I'm is sure very creative. People have done that before, though, I'm sure. Right. I stick with what I know. If you tell me there's a block, it's going to be a square, I will make a Rubik's Cube, and there we go. See, and it, it kind of harkens back to our hospitality background with mm-hmm. the uh, ice carvings, ice sculptures. Well, we the maid used to do a snow sculpture over there because we did a pizza one year. Because I know that we filled some water balloons to make something. I think those were the tomatoes colored some water and made some sure colored balls of frozen water. I mean, we, the meat has done this event many years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'll be kind of curious to see if they have their soups over there. That'd be interesting. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. So check that out here coming in a, a couple of weeks at the end of February. Yep. Um, so of course these are pre-recorded shows yes. and this particular show is going to air on February. February 13th, because the 14th is Valentine's Day. Correct. And we've scheduled Valentine's Day for a Monday this year. Well, I'm not sure if we personally scheduled it for a Monday, but um, it happens to fall on a Monday. Right. So I'm hoping everybody has been able to find 
find and send the ones that they love some cards in the mail over the weekend, or at least give them a call tomorrow and do the I love you. And of course, the the best gift is the gift of homeownership. That is very true. You definitely can give us a call and we'd be happy to go take you out to go take a look at the home of your dreams. You know, and, and it's, it's one of those things that really does connect with the heart and a family, mm-hmm. you know, is being in a home. Um, and we see a lot of young couples or newly formed couples or families, you know, getting into home ownership, And that's really a neat thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, moving from a apartment life into being a homeowner, you know, all those opportunities. And now you have an asset. Um, and it's always so much fun to see the, just the, the pride on people's face when they've gone from apartment living to, I now own a home, mm-hmm. just the pride that they have of just, I did it. You know, I did it. I, I now a homeowner 20 minutes later when they realize that they now have to paint, cut the grass, mow the lawn and remove the snow. And that little mailbox outside is going to contain bills that have to right. get paid as well. Yes. So then, you know, Ups then there's, and downs, right? exactly roller coaster rides. You know, but they're they're so proud. Even at the closing table, as we're we're doing this, they always there's a moment that I think every single couple, whether or not they're a couple or they're a single person, that I think it's near the the end. There's always that little pause, and then they sign. It's like, wow, I'm really doing this. It's really yeah, happening. It's, it finally sinks in after like the you know fiftieth initial and your seventy fifth signature. You're like. I'm actually doing this. I'm like spending a lot of money and, but I'm going to be a homeowner. There's a pause and it's a very unique pause that everyone does. And it's even on the seller side too of the chapter is now closed. Mm-hmm. And it is so much fun to be there to watch those little special moments. For us in the middle class, um, this is one of the biggest or the biggest um, asset and financial transactions that we'll be involved in. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really awesome. And a lot of people are talking about interest rates rising, um, and they will. They um, are. You know, we were warned. It's very cyclical. Um, and the interest rates from the Fed rising is obviously to combat the inflation that's happening, and those are directly related. Mm-hmm. Um, now we look at renting and you are 100% interest paying all the time right? because you're, you're not paying on a principal on an asset. You're just paying somebody else. Right. And that $700, $800 that you're paying in, in rent, you're, you're paying it to somebody else and it's, it's not helping you, you out. And we understand that there is a time and a season for, mm-hmm. for rentals. Um, you and I both were in a rental situation and we we got out of it, but I know that there there are some listeners out there that renting is what they like, right? And it, it and and it works for them. And you know there mm-hmm. there is no no interest in being a homeowner because guess what? My rent they remove the snow, they remove the grass. You know I can come and go if there's a problem with the furnace. I call someone else and it gets fixed. Um, listening to some of the uh, professionals, the gurus about you know, investing in real estate and all that stuff. Um, one of the trends that I had heard was enjoying the use of debt to get ahead with your asset retention and building your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that strategy in, in some cases could be that you're renting and you're renting just to the small amount that perhaps you, you need. Maybe you're a single person and you don't need more than 800 square feet, but you do have an asset in a house or a property or multiple properties that you are then renting out to other people mm-hmm. and not living there. Um, and that goes into a whole nother investment strategy and, and chat, but you know that's a big thing that we've seen. Um, or even that person then having those properties on their portfolio and they're using them as rentals, they're staying with um, a few other people in their own house and renting not traditionally like a, uh, an apartment, but, you know, renting a home with other people. Right. So it, there's, there's a lot of options and we're here to help you out. Right. 
Um, I know this year we're, we're delving into the investment side of things, working with more investors um, to sell properties and or to purchase them. So that's exciting as well. Right. And, you know, the investor side of it has been very unique because, again, we we have the investors who have a whole bunch of properties. They want to get out of it. And we're working with some people now who are wanting to get into that and trying to help them navigate those waters of, OK, so what do you really want to buy? Mm-hmm. You know, we can help you buy wherever you want. But, you know, what is the the end goal? So that way we get to a particular point where this is now working for you instead of just kind of throwing darts at the wall and hoping something sticks and then realizing, oh, we didn't really group this together very well. So it's sitting down and kind of having that conversation of, well, what's your end goal? Right. Do we have one? And if we don't have one, how can we get to one? How can we create one? And if someone's thinking about building their investment portfolio, Central Wisconsin really is a great place to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can look at the, the newspapers and there's vibes that the paper mill is going to come back online. They're going to need workers. Those are going to be transient people coming in, at least some of them. So where are they going to live? Right. Well, if you have rental properties, that's an option for that. Uh, we have a strong middle class that, you know, like we just discussed, have many different reasons for renting. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe even a stepping stone come in uh, because of that business transfer for a year or two, and then they're looking to buy as well. Yeah. Very exciting times, Carrie. Very, very, a lot of options out there as far as what, what do you want to accomplish when it comes to real estate? You know, do you want the vacant land? Do we have vacant land to help that? Oh, we've got oh, lots goodness. of vacant land. So that's the nice thing is we, you know, they're not making any more dirt. Right. And I, I had this epiphany the other day that they're not making any more dirt and all the dirt is accounted for already. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of comes down to who is willing to sell that dirt to somebody else. Right. So, I mean, we definitely have got some vacant land and vacant land is probably one of the most fun pieces of real estate to sell. But there's so many different types, options, locations, mm-hmm. a lot in the city limits with city services is going to be different than a rural lot, which is going to be different than a recreational lot or farmland. All, all different. And if someone's looking to create, you know, buying lots of lots. And creating your own subdivision. Mm -hmm. Which that's still stuff that's going on. Right. You know, that's still, still happening because everybody's noticing that shortage of homes in the area. And one of the options is, is you buy the piece of vacant land and you go build the home that you really want because you can't find it. Mm -hmm. So get the lot now and get the location. So that way in five, six years or 10 years, 20 years, whatever you want it to be, you you have your end result and then you can work towards getting that land to what you want it to be. Just understand that along the way, there's going to be costs of building that goes along with that as well. And building costs are fluctuative right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they're going to stabilize eventually. Right. But they're not going to be anywhere near as cheap as what they were five years ago. Right. It, it's just, it just, it just is. You know? Yes. So the, the hopes of building that lake home is still there. Oh yeah. But just know that it's going to cost you more. I and mean, we always have the conversation with our vacant land buyers of, you want to have that lake home, we might be able to get you a house that's already pre-built that may need to be a little bit remodeled, a little bit upgrading that needs to happen, but we can probably get that for you maybe a little bit less than buying the vacant land and, and building. But if building is, is your dream and that's what you want to do, we are happy to help you make that happen. And there are plenty of local lenders that are on board with that type of thing as well. Mm-hmm. So we, we can help you out from the top to the bottom. Yes. Um, and it, it's kind of neat, uh, again, with the investors. So we have the great resources here in our office. You know, JR's been here at Codal Banker Seawert. It's his last name, right? Um, and he's been here doing real estate longer than I've been alive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and even through the office, having new agents come in and they have connections as well. So it, it depends, you know, on what you want to do really. So come and sit down, talk with us and we can help guide you through it. Yeah. I mean, so our youngest 
is looking at having his oasis. We're going to call it his relaxation oasis. Mm -hmm. And he believes it should be on a lake. Okay. So he would like his mother to purchase him a lake home on the lake. So that way when he's stressed and just needs to relax and just kind of reset his life, he can go to the lake house to go and do this. Well, if his mother needs help, I mean, she's got plenty of, plenty of resources. Plenty of resources. I know a guy. Right. And I kind (laughs) of did the, well, may not be on a lake. I'm like, we could probably find you a cabin. We might be a little bit, you know, would you be like a block off or something like that? And so he's, he's now in kind of diving down the road of a relaxation oasis. Okay. So he's going to keep looking throughout the area to see whether or not he can find a lake home or just some, a cabin in the woods. So that way he can go and reset mm-hmm. and just have a little vacay on, you know, and, and mom can own it. Well, well, there's, that's perfect as well. Right. So, so sometimes you have to work that into it of, you know, let's have mom buy this for me. So that way, you know, we can have that vacation home. Yep. And now, now depending on where it is, we, we have access to um, management of those vacation rentals as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's not exactly timeshare thought process, but you know, if you own this cute little property by the lake and you can block off some time for your kid to go and, you know, get back to nature, mm-hmm. have his grounding time, his Zen peace and quiet. His zen peace and quiet. Um, and, cottage and then, keepers is what you're thinking of. We that, had Jennifer Par Murphy yep. earlier la- or mid last year. Right. She was last year. She was. She was before the flood because she was at the house. <laughs> she, about the middle of the year. Right. <laughs> but yeah, cottage keepers um, yeah. down in the Rome area, full service, vacation rental, second home, um, uh, short term rental. Right. Right. So, you know, definitely lots of opportunities to take a, an investment. Mm-hmm. and have it make a little bit of a profit yet too. Or at least it won't be as uh, much of a black hole, just sucking your money away. Right. We, we've heard of a lot of people going, well, our, our second home is great. We're trying to spend time there, but it's just not in a location or the family has moved and now it's not in a location for everyone to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, or trying to find that second home in a spot where the entire family can use it. Right. So selling off that lake home here, moving to a different purchase, a lake home somewhere else, you know, those are all things that have been discussed here in the last couple of months even. Right. You know, we've got plenty of water frontage homes in the state of Wisconsin. So our license do cover the state of Wisconsin. We're happy to travel with you and to help you out. We always want to serve our our customers, our, our buyers the best way possible and if we're in an area that we really don't know too much about, we'll be honest with you and just go, okay, you know, here's the house. We don't know too much about the, the area, but the nice thing is, is there's a chamber of commerce always close by that we can take them out for lunch with you and have a nice little conversation with them and really learn about the area too, whether or not this is going to be an area that's going to work for you and your family. And we see a lot of people re- being referred to us to um, from other real estate firms um, because you have a good background of this region. Mm-hmm. I mean, you grew up in Nakusa, around Napco Lake specifically. You know, you've been around this area for a long time. Yes. So having your local agents know the history, sometimes we even do that. And we uh, pair up with uh, firms that are at that location because they have local knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. It is. So, of course, one of the big things that uh, we have people ask questions about, uh, especially renters, um, is about their pets. Yeah. So you go to the Humane Society and you get this wonderful little fluffy pet and you bring it with you. And now you found out that, well, your rental doesn't allow that. That's so sad. It is. Reason to get into a home. Mm-hmm. Um, the HOA portion and the short-term rentals, the vacation rentals, you know, maybe that's an option that doesn't have pet rules or perhaps they do. So helping you navigate some of that as well is on our mind. Right. And, you know, we always talk about whenever we take listings is, you know, the pet safety of, if, do you have a cat? Do you have a dog? Um, even birds. 
Mm-hmm. We just recently did a showing where the homeowner had a bird. It was in a cage. It was covered. So, you know, we always want to make sure that those pets stay safe through throughout every single showing. And because it's not the pet's fault. It is not the pet's fault. So we're, we're, we're having new people, new, yeah, new people, smells, everything coming into their house. Sometimes they don't like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, making sure that the pets are properly secured in the home or if, you know, the dog needs to be behind a closet door or probably not like a closet door, but behind a door. And that may not be a part of the house that we could go and view because that's where the dog is or that's where the cat is. And let's face it, cats sometimes don't like having strangers in their home. They get it, they get scared and they run away. Mm-hmm. So just knowing that, knowing that information so we can pass along to the buyers of, you know, we do have a cat, we do have a dog, we have a bird, We've got a couple of guinea pigs. Fish tanks. Fish tanks. Um, some and, and being sensitive to other people's um, senses, I mm-hmm. guess, you know, sometimes uh, people who aren't used to pets might find some of that off-putting. Um, you know, the, the, the fish tanks or the aquariums might have a, a certain smell to it that people aren't used to. Mm-hmm. Um, we understand that as a uh, pet owner. So having cats around and the allergens that can go along with that. You know, so it's it's definitely helpful to prepare a buyer walking into a seller's house. Yeah, if someone's severely allergic to cats and you got a cat and you have a cat in your home, you know, this may not be a home for this particular buyer to walk into because they might have allergic reaction to that. We want to be able to prepare those buyers coming in that we do have some pets that do live here. Right. Um, we tend to coach our buyers that if that is the case and they really like the house, otherwise, you know, from all the photos and the marketing that's been done about that, um, perhaps look into a cleaning service to come in before their um, purchase, before their move in, rather, mm-hmm. um, between closing and then moving in. So there, there's plenty of options. And um, I wouldn't consider this conversation to be if you have a pet, we aren't going to show your house type of. No thing because we certainly will, and certainly help people get into a house even though they're not used to having a pet there. It's something unusual, so no worries. No worries. We got a lot of cleaning services if it's the house for you, but maybe your son or your grandchild is allergic to cats. We definitely can hook you up with a proper cleaning and really deep clean the house mm-hmm. to get out as much pet dander as possible. So that way your loved ones can still come over and enjoy the house as well. Right. Um, and that it's just one of the amazing things about being in real estate and seeing so many homes are um, how people live and what they do in their homes. Uh, cigars and cigarettes were mm-hmm. very popular years ago. Yep. And that just has a certain um, aura to the house again. <clears throat> so people might be allergic to some of those things as well. Right. So well, it's always good with the Polish with the Polish cooking that you can still smell the sauerkraut from a week ago. <laughs> and and we had the conversation with Renee with the home staging, mm-hmm. you know, smells and just the the presence you feel and experience with the house is a big thing, right? So coming to the end of the hour, okay, we're over here at Coldwell Banker Stewart Realtors, but you have a phone number. I do. It is seven one five three two three two five seven seven, and it is a very textable number as well. And we can find us online at MyRapids.com. Or MyNacusa.com. Exactly. So stick around. We're coming back for hour two. Excellent. Excellent.